Hi, welcome to Olim to the Scene, where we talk to all your favorite Olim about living in Israel, their Aliyah story, politics, and more. I'm your host, Matan Goldman, and it's great to have you here. Let's begin. I'm here today with my guest, Naomi Kolsky. Naomi, say hi. Hello! Naomi, tell us a little about yourself. Who are you? How do you get to Israel? Where are you from? What are your desires, your passions, your goals? We can just start with the where you're from in the meantime. Okay, I am Naomi Kosky. I'm from Chicago. Um, I made Aliyah in 2016 during my gap year in Israel. Currently living in Tel Aviv, studying in IDC. Right, which is in Herzliya. Yes. Oh, now it's Reichman University. <laughs> right, that had a name change. Yes. <laughs> right, and why did you make Aliyah? Was everyone making Aliyah from Chicago? Was this like you and your whole school of however hundred many people, or was it like, did you have your unique reasons for doing this? Uh, it is definitely not the norm in Hannah Sachs to make Aliyah. There are a number of girls. That's the high school you went to? Do uh, Yes, who uh, do make Aliyah, but it's definitely not what's pushed by the school. It's like, uh, it's a base Yaakov, it's more orthodox. It's co- more base Yaakov leaning, okay, yes. fine. So um, like, Zionism isn't like a part of the curriculum at the school. No, not really. Okay, so fine. So all the more so, how do you get here? I think I always, as a kid, Yom Ha'atzmaut was always my favorite day in school. Right. Before living in Chicago, I lived in Memphis. Okay. Um, and we had a big parade and we went like on a parade to the shul and then we had a whole event there and it was always so much fun. And I think as I got older, I also took that and started thinking about it more from a mature perspective and thinking about it ideologically. And I think I always knew that I wanted to make Aliyah and I just didn't know when. And then once I was here for my year in Israel, it kind of became clear that there was no better time than now. In terms of like integration into the country? Yeah. And so that'll actually happen, right? Yeah. Because people go back to America sometimes thinking they'll make Aliyah and it never really ends up happening. Okay, so once you made Aliyah, what, what were you doing in Israel, right? You came for a gap year, and then what happened after that? I did a year of Shirut Lumi in a frat in an elementary school. Okay. Uh, it was great. It was great? <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I'll be honest, I don't know how much of a service I did to the country, but right. I had a great time, and I think Efrat has a great community, and so many families took me in, took care of me. What does Shirut Lumi entail? Like, what, what are you doing in the school? Teaching, helping? For my position, I helped out either with tutoring kids or helping out in a classroom. There was one day a week, which was my favorite day, okay. <laughs> um, that I worked with uh, Kitam Academic, which is a classroom for the kids who can't learn at the same pace as the rest of the kids okay. for the second grade boys. And you just enjoyed like helping those kids? Like That was really meaningful for you? Yes. <laughs> okay. And... You chose to do Shirut Lumi. Did you ever consider doing the army? Was that on the table or it was just an obvious choice? Before doing Shirut Lumi, I did not really consider the army. At the time, I didn't see it as a realistic option for myself. During my year in Shirut Lumi, I did go back and question if perhaps I should look into drafting. Because uh, as I said, as much as I really enjoyed my experience in Shirut Lumi, I didn't yeah. feel that I was necessarily doing such a service. I also didn't work so many hours of right. the f- 
like hours that it I was, was it was working. a cushy job yes it it was cushy yes. although obviously there still was like a level of contribution there you still did help these kids and like you said you specifically helped the kids who might have needed a bit more help right right and then after Shirulumi, what happened then where did you go after Shirulumi, um i looked into schools i applied okay. Uh, like right, right up straight from straight from Shirley to looking into schools. Yes. Okay. Um, I originally, and it is what I am studying now. I wanted to study computer science. Yeah. But I did not get in. Right. I also was rejected from Barcelona computer science. They they do have a higher. You don't know what they're for, missing, Matan. They do have a higher standard for who they let in. Yeah, so then I was going to leave it at that. I could have looked at possibly doing Mechina and then right. going and applying again. Mechina is the preparatory year that yes. some people do because they'll accept the grades you get in Mechina if your high school grades aren't necessarily up to snuff. Right. So Mechina or taking the psychometry. Right. I didn't want to do either of those. I kind of just wanted to get started. Yeah. Um, man plans, God laughs, because I switched degrees a bunch of times. Okay, so um, let's, let's discuss your thought process. What was yes. the first degree? Why did you think it would be my team? Why wasn't it? Okay, so for those who don't know, in Israel, you have to apply directly to the major you want to study. There isn't yeah. starting school and then declaring a major later on. Right. Um, so I ended up starting in bio. Okay. I was there first semester. But what, what inspired the bio in the first place? I wanted to do something that would help people. Yeah. I think science is really interesting. And it seemed just like a natural path to take and then consider from there the different options you could do after getting an undergraduate degree in biology. Yeah. It was not my passion. <laughs> I did not like it. It's a very intense degree. Um, yeah. And I think if you want to go into that field, you, you got to enjoy it to an extent. Yeah. So I left Barilan. And I decided I was not going to give up on studying computer science. Uh, and I had heard from someone that IDC has a more lax policy in terms of accepting students to their computer science program. Yeah, I was also accepted to IDC computer science. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to look into it. Initially, I had not looked into it because initially I wanted to only look at options in Hebrew. Right. Um, and I was not going to be applying to IBC's Israeli program. Because that, that was important for you to do it in Hebrew in order to like fully integrate? And At the like time, that. I thought it was important to me. Okay. Now I'm very okay with the fact that I didn't. Was it difficult in Hebrew like when you did do it in Hebrew? Or was it fine? I think it was fine. I definitely, it takes me longer to process in Hebrew and right. it takes more effort. I think I would have been okay. But yeah, I applied to IDC for computer science yeah. and did not get in. <laughs> so they ended up telling me, though, that I could do a year in business. And if I had adequate grades in my math course, then I can do their summer mechina. And then if I pass their summer mechina, then I can study computer science. Right. And why was it important for you to study computer science specifically? I had decided it when I was 15 and then I was kind of just stuck on it. I think it's a really cool field. There are a lot of different directions you can go with it. Yeah. I still feel that way and I'm very stubborn. Right. So once I decided it, I kind of just needed it to happen. Yeah, it's a very diverse field. Like most softwares which deal with a lot of different subjects, they need someone at the end of the day to do the coding for it. So because of its diversity, you can get into a lot of other different things through that skill and coding. Right. I decided to do the year in business because at that point I had two options, either start seriously thinking about Mechina or try this. And I figured, okay, you know what? Business is a Sababa degree. Right. There are a lot of different like directions you can take it as well. 
So this way, if I don't get into computer science, I'm already a year into my degree. Yeah. And then when I was looking at my options for studying business at IDC, they had a new program that was just starting like that coming fall. Which, for, which year is this for a reference? This was 2018, I want to say. Okay, fine. Like summer of 2018. So it's, it's a well-established program at this point. Yes. All right. Yes. It was an entrepreneurship degree, which was basically business specifically for startups and specifically tech startups. Yes. Um, so you could do business and entrepreneurship, or you could do computer science and entrepreneurship. Those were the two options in their English program. Yeah. They also have economics if you want to study in Hebrew. And it looked really cool. There, a lot of the classes were project-based. It was a very diverse course catalog. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> okay. So I decided to do it because it looked fun. Yeah. And then I really liked it. So then once I did ultimately get the grades I needed in math and switch to computer science, I decided to continue with entrepreneurship as well. It's a double major. It's a double major. Okay, yeah. fine. Um, and you can't study entrepreneurship alone, by the way. You have to have it with another degree. Oh, fine. So how, how did you, you started it with business? I started it with business and then continued it after switching to computer science. Okay, so you started entrepreneurship and business and then you switched to entrepreneurship and computer science. Exactly. Okay, and now that you're living your dream doing computer science, do you find that it's everything you originally imagined or are there things that maybe surprise you about the degree that you didn't expect to have in it? I don't think I really expected it to be as hard as it is. Yeah, it's a very hard degree. <laughs> yeah, also today, starting computer science and really struggling with my first year. I guess I still struggle because it's not an easy degree, but I, I enjoy it enough that I want to keep going. Yeah. I realized that I might have ADHD, got okay. tested, and that gave me a lot of answers as to why studying had been so difficult for me previously. Okay. And now I was able to figure out the tools that I needed in order to get better at it. Okay. So... What was difficult about studying was that you had undiagnosed ADHD and that was, in a sense, like holding you back from fully concentrating on what you needed to do. Yeah. Okay. And I think we'll circle back to this later. But when I'm talking about, when, we, when you said difficulty, was that the only thing that was difficult? But the subjects themselves are also really difficult to computer science, right? Yes. It's a lot of math. Yes. We discussed last week, there's linear algebra, there's calculus, there's discrete mathematics. Um, I've heard people who are like in engineering and in computer science say, I really thought I was good at math and then I had to take all these courses, right? I never thought I was good at math. Okay, fine. <laughs> but a lot of the difficulty from these courses isn't necessarily the calculations, it's the proofs. Or do you, do you not find that? Yeah, I find that the proofs are the more difficult part of math. Right, because personally. a lot of people imagine like their math, their conception of math hasn't progressed beyond high school of kind of with numbers. And then when they enter in college, and a lot of the maths is words and writing proofs, that is all of a sudden a lot more difficult and not what they imagined, right? Is that, did you find that? Yes. Okay. And in terms of the computer science, the actual coding part, do you find that IDC gives like practical skills and like actually how to code, or is it like mainly based in a theoretical sense? And if so, do you enjoy the coding more than maybe the theoretical parts? There are courses where we learn coding and we learn a lot of concepts. I think with coding, once you've learned 
core of it and the basics yeah. It's easy to apply it. To, it's easier to apply it to new languages on your own. So we're not sitting there with classes where we learn a bunch of different languages. Yeah. They more teach us core concepts right. related to programming. And different teachers will choose a different language through which they want to teach those concepts. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite language from among the ones you've learned? I do not have a favorite language. I uh, might have a least favorite, but I don't want to give it away. You don't want to give it away. <laughs> you can tell me after the <laughs> after the podcast. Okay, so Naomi, we've gone through your journey. Barilan, IDC. You said you now live in Tel Aviv. Were you always living in Tel Aviv? Or did your location switch between all these other switches, all these other transitions? Where, where, where I've been the places you lived in Israel? I have been a nomad my whole life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I started, I guess I did, I went to seminary in Jerusalem. I'd been to Jerusalem and Efrat. Then I moved to Kibbat Shmuel. I was there for three years. And now I'm in Tel Aviv and I'm in my third year in Tel Aviv. Okay. So you started in Kibbat Shmuel. Yes. And then you moved to? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. So we have Givach Mal and Tel Aviv. You've never lived in Herzliya, where RDC is. I have not. Okay, fine. And do you mind, I live in Givach Mal, as listeners of this podcast have probably heard, do you mind maybe contrasting, like, what were the, what did you find was unique about the community of Givach Mal, and how does it differ to Tel Aviv? So Givach Mal, I think, has very much a college town kind of feel and a very okay. transient vibe. As in the population? As in the community. Right. Also, a very small town feel. Yeah. Which I happen to love small town. It's a 15-minute city. Everything's within a 15-minute yes, walk. Yes, everything's close by. It's quiet. It's nice. It's pretty. Tel Aviv is very much a big city, as big cities go in right. Israel. It's the biggest city. Yes, and there are definitely positives to that. I love. I live 10 minutes walking distance from the beach. Very fun. There also is a supermarket on every corner, things like that. There's also uh, culture. There's culture, yes. It's much louder. There's hustle and bustle. Um, right. And I think the community as well is a little bit less transient because a lot of people are done with school. They're working they're settled down, maybe not necessarily for life, but not, right. I'm finishing my degree and getting out of here. It's a bit expensive to settle down for life. It is. It's yeah. a bit expensive to settle down for a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they're very different, but I really like both of them. Right. Going back to the culture, have you been, have you taken advantage of the culture in Tel Aviv? Have you gone to any plays, concerts, stuff like that? I have. <laughs> I actually went last week to see Fiddler on the Roof in Hebrew. Oh, wow. Uh, it was great. I mean, I think most people know the plot, but it's cool also to see the different directorial interpretations of like some of the nuances in that show. Is it true that they sing If I Was a Rich Man as Im Haiti Rothschild? It is true, but they okay. do also sing If I Were a Rich Man. Oh, so they just tweaks it a little bit. Okay. But yeah, I have gone to a number of shows. Um, also museums, I learned that. Museums are way better going alone for me because uh, yeah. then I can take as long as I want. Right. No, one, no one pressuring you. Exactly. We're talking about art museums here, history. What type of museums have you frequented in Tel Aviv? So one of the ones that I really enjoyed was the Anu Museum, which is the Museum of the Jewish People. Okay. 
Uh, should I go into detail explaining this museum? Because I can. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> okay, let us know so about it. It's broken it. up into uh, multiple parts. I still have to go back to finish the rest because I took the entire day there okay. and didn't finish. Wow. But the top floor is like how Jews affect culture today and also the different sects of Judaism and kind of like how we all are very diverse but all one and our influence in the world. And then you go downstairs. And then it starts from, if I'm remembering correctly, like the beginning of the diaspora and divides and spreads out as Jews spread out throughout the world, throughout history. Right. It's really, really fascinating. Definitely recommend it. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, your diagnosis with ADHD. Yes. Was that diagnosis you received in Israel? It was. And how did you find the process of getting the diagnosis? How would one who might suspect that they also have ADHD go about getting this diagnosis? Okay, so I want to speak one for my experience with ADHD, but also for experiences with any mental health issues. Right. Because I have gone through that process as well, and I yeah. really think it's so important for people to be aware of. Especially for Olim who might not have a support system. Exactly. I was already going to therapy separate from my school issues. Was that something you started in Israel or was it like... That was something that I started in Israel. Okay. Which, by the way, there are a ton of resources for anyone looking into it. I recommend looking at Get Help Israel. Um, There are other organizations as well, but their website is pretty... Important uh, to know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I was going to therapy already and we had had the discussion of me visiting a psychiatrist to get a diagnosis for other uh, things that I was struggling with. And she referred me to a psychiatrist who speaks English, by the way, and my therapist speaks English. And then while visiting the psychiatrist, getting my diagnosis for, I went because I thought I had depression and anxiety. I actually got diagnosed with type two bipolar disorder and anxiety. Um, And in that meeting, it kind of came up that, oh, you might also have ADHD. And so I made a separate appointment to get tested for that. If you you don't mind clarifying, because I'm not an expert in this field, what is a type 2 bipolar disorder? I assume there's a type 1. Yes. Okay. So there is a type 1. So type 1 is categorized by you have manic episodes and depressive episodes. Right. And so manic episodes are much more extreme and there's more of a focus on like the manic and then it gets followed by depressive episodes yeah. versus type 2 has hypomanic episodes which are less extreme and then those are followed by depressive episodes which are much more prominent okay. than any of the hypomanic uh, tendencies. Um, so the, the depression is stronger than the highs. Yes okay. and I think also unless you know what you're looking for I, the hypomanic tendencies that I've experienced could come off as like She's a really fun time. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I am by no means a professional in any way. Like, I have not studied any of this. This is just no. from my experience. No, just hearing your story. Yes, so anyone who wants to understand this more, do your own research, please. <laughs> okay. Right, so you went to the therapist to get diagnosed for potentially bipolar. Yeah, uh, and then through that meeting, it kind of ended up coming to light that, oh, and you also might have ADHD. So we set up a separate appointment in which she asked me a bunch of questions about my childhood and about my experiences in school and all these different things. And I filled out like these different questionnaires and whatever. 
And she was like, how on earth did you graduate high school? Okay. <laughs> and what, what's the answer to that question? Did you find also you had these issues in high school, but you were somehow able to get past them? Yeah, I think I never really had to work as hard in high school. Right. So I could get by with fine grades and no one really noticed. I think it also presents itself differently in women than it does in men. Like my, my brother also has ADHD and like it's a lot more obvious when a boy has ADHD than... Because they like act out and like yeah. it's disruptive. Yeah. And like it can be that way for girls as well. And it also can be that boys don't present it in the same way, but generally... Right. In other words, it tends like, to be more noticeable. There's like, on average, there's a more disruptive element with boys' ADHD that they can't focus and then they act out. But with girls, it's more of just attention span. Is that what you would say? That's my understanding. Okay, fine. Once again, not experts. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> Do your own research. Okay. Right. So you had also had ADHD in high school. And then in university, it really started to cause problems for you. And so what were the like solutions? What did the therapist suggest that you work on in order to better help in university learning? And did it in the end help you? So I actually ended up switching therapists okay. because I wanted to go to someone who specialized in what I was dealing with. Right. Um, I was doing talk therapy before and that works for some people. Um, talk therapy is just when you talk to the therapist. Yeah. Okay. I needed practical solutions how to recognize certain patterns in myself and what to do when they arise and things like that. Yeah, coping mechanisms, right? Yeah. Okay. So my psychiatrist actually recommended someone for me. I've been going to her and she's great. Okay. And I think, oh, okay, a point I really want to make if anyone is like struggling or considering going to a psychiatrist to get uh, tested for anything, like you are the same person before and afterwards. Right. Now you just have a little bit more information of how to better take care of yourself. Right. Really, there's no shame in getting help. Please, if you think that you need help, do so. <laughs> Did you find, were, were you nervous about getting help at the beginning? Were you afraid that there might be stigmas? Or for you, it was just an obvious decision? So, to an extent, it was an obvious decision because I come from a family that's very open and talking about mental health. Right. But I think I was not expecting the bipolar diagnosis. Okay. And I think it freaked me out a little bit because um, it felt a lot more intense. Okay. But ultimately, yeah, I like kind of realized. I was like, okay, but now I know why I am the way that I am. And so if there are things that I want to change and I want to be better about, like now I know what tools I need to seek out because I know right. what problem I'm dealing with. In order to become the best, the best version of yourself, you have to know the specific challenges and issues that you face, whether mm -hmm. they be mental health or physical health, things like that. Mm -hmm. So do you take medication for any of these mental illnesses? What's the process of that? Does the public health system in Israel supply them? Is there other ways if someone needed them that they'd have to get them? I do take medication. It takes time to find the right medication if you choose to go down that route. I go to a private psychiatrist. You can go to one through your coupa. Okay. But even though I go to a private psychiatrist, I can get my medication through my coupa. So she writes my prescription for me. I send it to my family doctor and then I'm able to get it subsidized by my insurance. Right. And earlier we were talking about how you kind of felt the pressure. You wanted to start university right away do you think that affected your mental health in like maybe a negative way is there something you'd 
tell maybe an American who's more used to starting college right away that perhaps they shouldn't feel so much pressure. Everyone in Israel starts late. Is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah, I think don't give in to the pressure that you're feeling because this isn't America. It's a very different culture and it's really normal to start later. Right. That doesn't mean that that's the right answer for everyone. And I yeah. think being a product of my life experiences and I like where things are now, I'm happy that I did what I did. Right. But if I was talking to someone who was looking into their options for college now and wasn't sure if they wanted to start right away or not, there's no pressure. Right. The only pressure is maybe the pressure that you're putting on yourself. It is really okay to take your time. All right, it's good to hear. Moving away from this more serious topic, I think we're gonna end the interview with some rapid fire questions. I hope you're ready. Israel. No pressure. <laughs> Israel, great place. Awesome, place. the Holy Land. It's nice being here. Sometimes, occasionally, it's a little hot. If you could relocate the Holy Land to any one geographical location, where would it be and why? Would I know that this isn't where it originally was supposed to be? No, everything happened there. The whole everything Bible happened. happened there. Okay. Ah, <laughs> so much pressure. Scotland. Scotland. Yes. Have you been to Scotland? No, but I really want to go. <laughs> so you would want to relocate everything to Scotland so that you can go to Scotland. beautiful. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fine. Creative answer. And using the question to your own benefit. Favorite <laughs> Israeli song? I don't know if I have a favorite. I can't. I have a very difficult time picking favorites with songs. Right. And Top three. Okay, no, but see, then we have to narrow down, like, okay, like, the vibe or, like, I don't know, like, a meaningful song. Or like, I don't know, I got very into Shiree Bo over the summer. Very into Shiree like, Bo. So are we talking Rivka and Yitzhak? the song. <laughs> Um, maybe Seder Avodah. Seder Avodah. Or Lashuv Habayta. Alright, fine. Um, I'll, I'll take those two. But then you want to go like more fun, like Missy Baba Haifa. I can rap in Hebrew now. Wow. <laughs> I'm not doing it on the podcast. Okay. From, uh, from, uh, Nola to a professional Hebrew rapper. It's a very impressive oh, yeah. story. <laughs> um, for those who are unaware, Naomi, you are a very big Taylor Swift fan. Indeed, I am. You um, definitely enjoy all her discography. I happen to have a least favorite Taylor Swift album. So my final question is, he's a 10, but his favorite album is Reputation. Listen, we all had to get converted at some point, right? Okay. And so, then you are now a fan of the Taylor Swift album, Reputation. I like Reputation. Would I say okay. it's my favorite? Definitely not. <laughs> but would anyone say it's their favorite? And he, might it raise some red flags? <laughs> I mean, listen, I think that's just because he hasn't been fully introduced to all the songs that aren't singles on the other albums, you know? Okay, fine. So what you're saying is you're willing to give it a chance. Yeah. All right, fine. Naomi Kolsky, it's been a pleasure you having on Oling to the Scene. And thank the you for coming on. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you for listening to Olim to the Scene. Recording and music are done by me, Matan Goldman. Editing and setup by Penny Silver. If you would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us by the email in the description, olimtothescene at gmail.com. Until next time.